This is Reverend Kirk Lawton, minister at Ocean Lakes Family Campground, and this is our podcast. Our prayer is that this message may enrich your life as you find God especially meaningful to you. Thank you for worshiping with us. A pastor of a large city church said that a man came to his office one day and said, Preacher, I would become a Christian if I knew I could hold out. This man did not want to begin something which he could not finish. The man was sincere in what he said, but he was sincerely wrong. The statement, I would become a Christian if I knew I could hold out, has two things basically wrong with it. First, one does not become a Christian on the basis of what he knows. A person is saved by faith in Jesus Christ, not by knowledge. It's rather difficult for many of us to understand the past. It's even more difficult many times for us to understand the present. But for a person to say that he must understand the future, that he must know what lies ahead before making a decision, oh, that's to be very foolish. One does not become a Christian by knowing anything about the future. The second thing wrong with that man's statement is that this man thought of salvation in terms of his own power rather than in the power of Christ. He said, I would become a Christian if I could hold out. Quite frankly, no person can hold out on his own. And if this is one's only hope, then he's lost from the beginning. It is because of this very fact that none of us can hold out that we need a savior. Jesus said, Matthew 9, verses 12 and 13, they that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. I'm come not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And since it is Jesus who alone can save us, it's also Jesus alone who can keep us saved. We simply cannot do it ourselves. And if your salvation depends on something that you and yourself can do, maybe you better take a second look, a closer look at your own salvation. This doctrine of eternal security, or, or as many people express it, once saved, always saved, is one of the most misunderstood beliefs that we have floating around today. I've heard people say things like, I know this is something my church teaches. I'm supposed to believe that, but I just don't know about that. There are two ideas here that are very closely related. One is the assurance of salvation. That means you're saved and you're absolutely sure of it. The other idea is that of eternal security. Once you're saved, you're always saved. Now, we're thinking about this morning the second of these two questions eternal security. And I ask, are you holding on to Christ or is Christ holding on to you? Now that question may sound foolish, but the answer that you give may be an index of the happiness of your present life as well as the eternal destiny of your soul. I want to borrow the framework of a great pastor of a number of years ago, Dr. Herschel Hobbs, as we try to answer our question around three ideas. First, how a person is saved, and then how a person stays saved, and then third, who ensures that a person stays saved. 
If you want to put this down in an easy way to remember the sacrifice of good grammar, you might call it, how come, how long, and says who. Okay, let's look together now at these three ideas. First, the origin of salvation. First, how come, or how is a person saved? What is, what is the basis? What's the origin of salvation? John chapter 10, verses 27, 28, the words of Jesus. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life. To follow Christ means to believe in him and to trust in him as your Savior, surrendering everything you have, everything you are, everything you stand for to him. The result of your decision to follow Christ is that he gives you a gift, eternal life. Now, notice that he says eternal, and that means two things. It means duration, which means everlasting, unending, and also it refers to a quality or a kind of life, a superb brand of life. Now, how does a person obtain this eternal life? Well, there are two possible ways. Either you earn it or you receive it as a gift. If you earn something, if you work for something and receive it as wages, then that cannot possibly be considered as a gift. But on the other hand, if a person gives you a gift and then you go out and try to work for that, you no longer let that continue to be a gift. Rather, it's something you've earned again. You see, these two ideas are exact opposites. They can't go together. We get eternal life either by earning it or by receiving it as a gift. It is either by our works, how good we are, or it is by the grace, the amazing grace of God. Eternal life cannot come by grace plus works because one canceled out the other. And so you see, eternal life comes to us not because we deserve it, but because God so loved us. You cannot earn eternal life. It's not for sale. It can come only through a gift which God gives us on the basis of our faith and our trust in His Son, Jesus. Hear what the Bible says about this. You were, this is Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9. You were saved by faith in God, who treats us much better than we deserve. This is God's gift to you not anything you've done on your own. It isn't something you have earned. So there's nothing you can brag about. Now, look also with me at the second idea, the security of the saved. Let's ask the question, how does a person stay saved or how long? Well, here again, Jesus has a word for us in John 10. Jesus says, I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. In the contemporary English version, it reads this way, I give them eternal life so that they will never be lost. Sometimes when children are playing together, when one of them wishes to make an emphatic statement, he might say, that will never, ever, ever, ever be. The Greek language has a way whereby one can be very emphatic also although in English it's not considered good usage, not good grammar. The Greek language uses a double negative when there's a need for emphasis. In English, 
a double negative means a positive. But in Greek, a double negative means a stronger negative. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. A mother says to her child, you must never eat that candy before a meal. But let's say the rebellious child looks up and says, I will not never eat that candy before a meal. That's too negative. See, not never. What that child means is that he will eat that candy before a meal. Two negatives become a positive. That's the way it is in our English language. Now, now in the Greek language, it's not that way. In Greek, two negatives really mean a stronger negative. So what Jesus is really saying to us in John 10, verse 28, in the original language, it reads this way. I give unto them eternal life, and they shall not never perish or be destroyed. Jesus is speaking very emphatically here. He wants to put a real punch to what he's saying. It is as if he is saying, you will never, ever, ever, ever perish. Now, of whom is Jesus speaking here? To whom does he refer? Those who shall never, ever, ever perish. It is not those who join the church or who have Christian parents or who are married to a wonderful Christian spouse or who attend church regularly or who can tithe or sing a solo or teach a class. No, Jesus does not say that these shall never perish, but only to those to whom he gives eternal life. And remember, we've already said that eternal life comes by a personal inward experience of faith and trust in Jesus. When Jesus says that none of his, that is to whom he gives eternal life, will ever perish, that doesn't mean they'll never sin again. Even the most devout Christian which the world has ever known is still a sinner. The saved sinner, however, will have a different attitude toward his sins. And he will not make sinning the regular, voluntary, willful habit of his life. I think we have a real good reason for believing in eternal security. A person may backslide, not be as good a witness as he's been in the past. But if a person has really once been saved, he's never lost again. Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. And when one has been born spiritually, it's impossible to be unborn. If a person possesses eternal life, it's impossible for him to lose it. Because if it can be lost, it was not eternal in the first place. Now, we still have a problem on our hands. Many people ask the question, but preacher, now wait a minute. I've seen some people who were saved several times. Or I know somebody who was saved, but he never come to church anymore. What do you do about these situations? Well, in such cases, I think there are two possibilities. The first possibility is a person was never actually saved. Maybe had only a shallow experience of trying to turn over a new leaf. There may have been outward expressions of a genuine salvation, but it was nothing more than an emotional experience. It was not the real thing. That's one possibility. The second possibility is this person did have a genuine experience of salvation and is still saved, but is not living close to God as a good witness of his saving faith. 
Now, the question is, how can you tell which of these two situations it really is? Ah, there's our problem. You see, we're trying to judge another person's salvation. Is it real or is it not? Folks, this is not our responsibility. God is the only one to judge. Someone wisely said, you can always tell for sure if a person is a Christian, if you are God. Let's look at the third idea, the power of the Savior. So far, let me back up. We've looked at first how a person is saved. That's the how come. We've looked at how one stays saved. That's the how long. So let's ask one more question. Who ensures that the person stays saved? Or that's the says who. Let's go back to the words of Jesus once again. I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Some people th seem to think that although no one can snatch them out of the Father's hand, they can snatch themselves out of his hand. But if salvation comes to us through grace, then salvation can be lost only through a withdrawal of grace. Jesus said in John 10, 29, My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. Wow, what a combination that is. The hands of both the Father and the Son, God and His Son Jesus, both holding on to their frail children. And so the security of the believer lies not in the power of the Christian, but in the power of God in Christ Jesus. So let's return to our first question. Are you holding on to Christ? Or is Christ holding on to you? Let's rephrase that question now. In whom do you put your trust for your salvation? Are you trusting in yourself? Or are you trusting in Christ? If you're trusting in yourself, then you think too much of yourself. You are an egoist. But if you're trusting in Christ, then you are a Christian. If Christ is mighty to save you in the first place, he is mighty to keep you saved. So we come back to the title of the message today. Are you holding on to Christ or is Christ holding on to you? Two little girls were talking one day. One says, how is it that we're not lost and left and forgotten as we go through our lives? Does God guide us around so we don't fall? The other girl replied, God reaches down his hand and we reach up and take hold of his hand and he leads us all through our life. But the first girl said, what? Well, sometimes though we go to sleep, we can't keep holding on to God's hand always. What happens then? The second girl replied, oh, I got that wrong. I'm sorry. God takes hold of our hand and God doesn't ever go to sleep. This is what Jesus does for those who trust in him. His security is our security. His life is our life. His strength is our strength. His power is our power. And when the storms of life come, when temptations beckon us, and when Satan sends out his clutching fingers to try to pull us away from God's care and protection, 
we can rest assured of God's promise to every believer. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. For you see, we're not holding on, but we are held in the eternal grip of God's love and his saving power. Oh God, we have no words to thank you for your power and for the fact that you love us when we commit ourselves to your son Jesus. And it's not our strength that keeps us saved. It's the eternal power of you, oh God. Thank you for that. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.